welcome to Upbringing. We're Hannah and Kelty, twins, mothers, and works in progress. Upbringing is a movement that empowers us all to engage bravely with the hardest aspects of parenting, to create positive change in ourselves, our families, and the world. Join us to build intention, elevate skills, and align our parenting practices with our greatest ideals. When we practice trust over fear, connection over control, and progress over perfection, we're not just raising our kids, we're raising ourselves. Let's show up and grow up. Welcome to The After Show, where we reflect on last episode's conversation with author and activist Jody Patterson, expanding on some favorite moments through a parenting lens. What was a highlight for you, Kel? I love that we got into it a little bit with her about labels, mm. because you love talking about labels. I do, and I think when before we had our conversation with her, we had this huge com- talk, just you and I, I remember we were on a long walk and we were just back and forth saying, how can labels be liberating like transgender or um, labels such as this when for the most part, we tend to look at them as very limiting. Mm -hmm. And I love that we kind of got to the bottom of this with her a little bit. As in it's got to the bottom as it um, when it's assigned by an extrinsic factor, like a person saying you're a bitch to Jody. Mm -hmm. It's not so great. That can be limiting. limiting. Yeah. But when we can self-assume a label as in king, then as intrinsically, you know, labeled, that is liberating. Yeah. I feel that. I totally sense. That makes so much sense to me. Yeah, because we're like, don't label your kids. We have to constantly remind ourselves to, Mm -hmm. to shed those labels, to shed those black and whites in those boxes and just be focusing on those other things. But well, I think we have this idea as parents that, you know, with the best of intention, that we have power to help mold and shape our kid and their experience of the world. And using a label is one of those ways. You're being so nice right now. You're so running so fast. You're so beautiful. We're doing that because we love them and we want them to understand that they're fast and smart and beautiful. In in a lot of things, it's around behaviors that we want to be promoting, like you're so clean or you're such a good helper or Mm -hmm. they're encouraging. We think that these labels are helping encourage kids. But the research, and we're going to go into this way more in another probably power of episode, um, an empowerment episode, but the research is showing that labels can actually be very limiting when labeled by another person. I remember and reading, why is that though? I don't, Brene said something about that in one of, Brene Brown said something about that in one of her um, videos, or maybe it was the gifts of imperfect parenting or one of those good ones. But mm-hmm. I remember her talking about how uh, she went to school to pick up her daughter who was maybe like six or something. Mm-hmm. And the teacher came up and said, I had a very interesting interaction with your daughter today. I told her that she was messy She'd made this big mess. And she came back to me and said, I am not messy. I was being a little messy. Mm. And and I love that so much that that sort of temporary element should mm-hmm. always be there. You know, that that we it's not that hard really to work on shifting our language so things aren't seen necessarily in that black and white or in that um sort of like sense of self way she's Mm -hmm. like i'm not messy but that's how that's the wording of our culture is saying i'm mad you're mean you know she's 
it's messy. very f- fixed mindset right. kind and, of thing. And, yeah. you get, and I get really, you know, worked, worked up, up. <laughs> about the wording here, the semantics of it saying, no, I always say feeling frustrated, frustrated. You're feeling pretty. You're doing this. All of these are transitory feelings. We are not nothing unless we decide to be it ourselves. But I think that the, the problem that comes about with these good intentions of ours, you know, we're wanting to promote these qualities, to promote these feelings or um, disincentivize these feelings. But labels can really undermine all these qualities we're hoping to promote, you know? Um, so for example, you know, uh, a label like saying you're really smart, you know, it can create kind but, of, and we say that with the best sure. intentions we want our children to know, they're brilliant. Mm-hmm. They can they can think of anything. They can figure anything out. They're they're so creative. They're getting to the bottom of stuff. We want them to have that confidence. And mm-hmm. I think a lot of our labels in terms of praise um, mm-hmm. come from us wanting them to have confidence. Mm-hmm. I think. And, and to know that we appreciate their intelligence or yeah. that they should appreciate their intelligence. And that's the belief that, that we have in our culture and it's so we easily just, have that, that, just, that it's up to us to kind of clue them into that. Yeah, the sense so of self. Or to clue them into that feeling we have about that okay so let's say we say hannah you're so smart Mm -hmm. when you're a little kid even now (laughs) that would make me feel really good in the moment oh my gosh they think i'm smart i know smart is a good thing because i see her face and the way she's saying that i'm smart Mm -hmm. that must mean it's a really good thing and whatever i'm doing right now is showing her that i'm smart it's because i drew a circle for example okay well that's then created an external expectation Right. That, mm-hmm. wow, maybe if I want to feel that way again, if I want my mom to say I'm smart, if I want to feel quote unquote smart, then I need to draw a circle like that again. And oh my gosh, what if I'm using a pen that's a little wobbly and it's not the usual one that I used to draw that successful circle that said I was smart. Maybe I won't try and draw a circle then. Maybe I'll maybe turn away from my mom because I won't want her to see me not draw the circle right and not get that attention from her. So basically what we're saying is, Labels can unwittingly create this externalized expectation that can affect how our kids move through the world. So if they say I'm smart and that feels good and it makes me feel loved, what if I fail this test in high school? Like I personally remember feeling that, Kel. Mm -hmm. I felt I had to uphold this label sometimes, this identity that I'd assumed that had been put on me so lovingly. You know, and I remember thinking, well- It became a pressure. It became a burden that I needed to bear that this was the representation of my identity. This was a representation of my mother's love for me and an expectation she had in me. And oh my gosh, what if I couldn't live up to that? I don't want to take this pre-calc class because that could put my intelligence at risk. You know, maybe I I'll just fail skip, it. Maybe I'll just skip this test today to avoid that challenge. You know, and that then, you know, puts me at um, a loss as far as pushing myself to learn more, which you know, requires failure. Well, before we get into some of the things that we try to do as, um, instead of that, Mm -hmm. it also makes me think a little bit about what we spoke about, um, last week in our start with why, Mm -hmm. uh, feature episode where getting into, so we were talking about trust in that case. Mm -hmm. And this is the very similar because, when we get in there and say, you're so smart, mm-hmm. that can train the focus away from what what our child is doing. Mm-hmm. So the circle so I was the, drawing. The circle you were drawing, you were focused. You were getting your own thing out of it, whatever that was. And so not only did I maybe give a, a label that's going to end up 
building a part of an internal pressure within you potentially, Mm -hmm. but it distracts you away from what you were doing yourself Mm -hmm. and tells you that getting an external validation from someone else about your intelligence or about the thing you're doing is more important than you enjoying it or doing whatever the fuck you want with Mm -hmm. it. You know, and I've seen that happen even with my kids before where I get in there a little bit too much and then it's, Mom, look at this. Mom, look at this. Mom, look at this. And I want to be like, oh God, I created a monster. Mm -hmm. I just wanted to say, I see you making those so many colors. Like I just couldn't Mm -hmm. help myself. And now it's all about her showing me, showing me, showing me when I really just want her to be sitting, drawing, enjoying it herself for all those amazing reasons. In the flow, have it be about her. About her, yeah. But that's the idea is saying when you label another person or our kids, we're saying that our judgment and perception and experience of of them should take precedence or have value. Mm-hmm. And we just have to be, you know, kind of careful about how we go about that because we have so much power with our kids, you know? Yeah. And and we don't want to undermine or overwhelm their own burgeoning sense of of self and of achievement and of pleasure and of um just kind of self-actualization, if that makes sense. I remember listening to this wonderful podcast, Your Parenting Mojo, and it's it's all based in evidence-based, uh, <clears throat> respectful research stuff. Um, <laughs> that sounds super technical. Anyway, this amazing woman, Jen, runs it, and I highly recommend it. Yeah. But she did this one episode on uh, a book called Beauty Sick, which is about basically cultural obsession with the appearance and how it can hurt girls and women growing up. Mm-hmm. And she interviewed the author, um, I think the episode might have been something like how to raise a girl with healthy body image. So if you look for it, we'll also put it in the show notes. Um, but I remember hearing the author speak about all of the research she'd done with interviewing uh, kids, girls, maybe ranging from like eight to 16 and their experiences in terms of that praise, in terms of that labeling from their parents. Yeah. And the results were so crazy. It was like even coming from like very supportive, very average, comfortable homes, the girls whose dads complimented their looks Mm -hmm. more had less good self-esteem, had lower self-image mm-hmm. self than the ones who said, I don't really remember dad, my dad ever really mentioning what I looked like. Mm-hmm. And so she and the, Jen and this woman, this author, who I'm sorry, I can't remember her name, <laughs> ended up having a really good conversation about the ways that we can be supporting what's underneath, mm-hmm. you know, actually what's underneath and supporting that and giving our kid confidence in all the right ways that isn't going to end up turning into um, lack of Mm self-esteem, essentially, or focus on looks. And of course, every teenage girl and preteen and and female and male to a degree, I'm sure, um, Mm -hmm. go go through these times of um, insecurity and of looking inward and focusing on how they look and how they present themselves and all of those very natural things. But it was just a really interesting Mm -hmm. episode. Um, I think that it's... it's, the kids that might be listening may be wondering like, well, I just want to be a supportive parent. What the fuck? Like, I just want to be able to tell my kid that they're beautiful or that they're smart or Mm -hmm. good job or I'm proud of them or whatever. And I think that all of those urges are so good. And what you and I talk about a lot, Kellen, what the research talks about is just finding a new way, as you'd said, with translating or transforming the, the, the words a little bit 
so that they land differently and they become about the kid and not about us appraising Mm -hmm. the kid or judging the kid or expecting something from the kid. So what are some ways that we can show our love and, you know, awe and appreciation for our kids in an encouraging, loving way, but that's maybe a little bit more productive or meaningful or healthy for them. And that doesn't undermine the exact values and support that we're trying to impart. Right. Um, One thing that we try to do a lot is just, well, speak less. Mm -hmm. That's the number one thing. Just shut the fuck up. Just shut up. Oh my gosh, this is not about you. And when we remind ourselves to be quiet and not make everything about us by commenting on everything, we do a lot of nodding. We do a lot of smiling and big eyes. We wait for them to look at us before we make a comment about what they're doing, which is so hard. It's really hard. Yeah. Um, but we let them, that lets them experience their experience. We, we, well, I think that it came from an awareness that when we interject, we're popping a bubble. We're popping their attention bubble. We're popping their focus, their flow, their creativity. And we're saying, this is actually about me saying something about you. And we just have been trying to develop a conscientiousness about how we interject Mm -hmm. and when we interject and who that's serving Mm -hmm. ultimately. Yeah. But you know, our kids will look at us sometimes they'll turn and say, look, this this painting or circle or or I I jumped or whatever. Look at that. And I think oftentimes they will, it's natural for them to, to want to share something with us or to want to show appreciation or excitement. And it feels good. Um, We may have, it may be because we've been encouraging it as well and participating so much. But for whatever reason, we try to describe what we see. So they jumped off instead of saying, oh my gosh, good job. Or you're such a good jumper, which doesn't really give them much information. It doesn't, it just kind of sets up an expectation about being a good jumper or, you know, winning our approval. What we say instead is, I saw you jump off of that. Wow. Yeah. Or that you jump or you, you fell down last time and you got back up and and you landed on your feet this time. Wow. Yeah. You know, or I saw how you climbed up, bent your knees and pushed off really hard up into the air. Yeah. And so you're describing, you're participating, you're showing interest around their interest. Um, But what we're doing with the describing is that we're focusing on the process. We're focusing on the effort. And instead of focusing on the, um, The the, the outcome or the product, you know, which can set up those expectations, focusing on the effort that can always help. That helps with their resilience, their patience, their grit, their creativity. Mm -hmm. Um, And it's when they're ready for our feedback. Okay. What about when it's around a behavior that we really want to promote? Like they uh, cleaned up their room a little bit or Mm -hmm. they got themselves dressed. Like I want to throw a fucking party for that. Right. You want to say you are such a big girl. You got yourself dressed. You're the best. Good job. Good job. Yeah. But all we're saying is, what if then the next time they don't get dressed, then they're not a big girl? And that sets these expectations up that can be a little problematic and just not that helpful. Something you and I talk about is showing appreciation. So when we feel really compelled, you met my expectations. Good job, little monkey. (laughs) But saying, wow, you picked up your room. And, oh my gosh, my back's been bothering me and I didn't have to do it. Thank you. Or you cleaned up your room and we were able to leave five minutes early for the park. So it's not just about skipping a a label that they could, that could become sort of an extrinsic thing brought inside, Mm -hmm. but it's also about actually giving more information. Mm -hmm. 
using it to to build some context around what happened instead of just and then a deeper understanding of why they did that and what the impact was on us Mm -hmm. absolutely um something else you and i talk about a lot kel it's kind of around describing what we see but it's reflecting their experience so you know you seem really proud that you jumped off that or what else you painted that Mm -hmm. that thing this painting that they're so excited you could say you seem really proud of it Mm -hmm. you know they're not going to be like well what about you are you proud of it but Mm -hmm. they might at a certain point but again with the the reflecting their experience we're saying we're reminding them this is about you and i am here looking at you and seeing you as you are doing what you're doing and you're owning this and it's not about me but i will still honor your, you and you know uh, mm-hmm. bear witness to this situation mm-hmm. yeah something else we we do too or we try to do is in that same kind of like let's say one of our kids climbed up a thing and jumped off and landed on their feet and they're mm-hmm. really proud about about it so another thing that we can do is ask questions mm-hmm. like how did you feel jumping off mm-hmm. or just you know, how does your new dress feel instead of you look so pretty? Right. Ask them, what's your experience of this? Let you characterize yourself in your Mm -hmm. experience rather than me put a judgment or an expectation or an appreciation onto something that you've done. Yeah. This is a big one though, because I feel like when when we talk about it, it makes us sound like really crazy, sensitive, uptight weirdos. Mm -hmm. But this is a thing, everybody. This is totally a thing. Well, and yeah. and and everyone can choose how sensitive they want to be to this stuff. Mm-hmm. But it feels really good thinking about it. Do we do this all the time? Absolutely no, not. But I guess, again, this is what we talk about a lot, this middle way, where I think it's really easy for us to say, well, I'm going to just, I want to support my kids, so I'm going to be super crazy and supporty because I love it so much. Or someone to be like, I don't want to give them a big head and be a crazy person, so I'm gonna withhold and not say anything to do those things. And what we're saying is, let's keep that um, desire for connection, that desire for um, supporting and doing that type of stuff. But the way we do it, let's just change it up a little bit so that they get the best outcome from our support, Mm -hmm. Um, that kind of middle way. And so we keep the energy where it needs to be, where we can be appreciating, supporting, exuding love mm-hmm. in any of those interactions, but not dominating it, mm-hmm. which is so easy for us to do as parents is to take over the situation by putting our judgment on it. And yes, mm-hmm. praise is judgment. Mm-hmm. Right. You know, I, I love the idea of our kids growing up and being receptive to people's feedback, um, but not being a slave to it. And realizing that I have my own reasons for doing what I do. I take my own pleasure in my activities and my experiences. I'm, I will look to people for their thoughts and opinions about me, but that is not what I live and die by. Mm-hmm. You know, that is how I make my way in the world. Um, Tying that back into Jody, though, because I yeah. know we got on that kind of label tangent, <laughs> but, you know, she was promoting that very thing with her son Penelope. Mm-hmm. She said, you can't alter a person at their core. And why would you? It, she, all she talked about was yeah. protecting his spirit. And that, that being the thing, that, yeah. that our job as parents isn't to alter, shape, teach, mold our kids, and that it's fucking bogus. Yeah. You know? And I think that she said, all the stories that tell us who we're supposed to be and what we're expected to do are, are stories. Yeah. 
you know? But I think that that, that is that idea of conscious versus unconscious. And unconsciously, I just say, good job, and mm-hmm. you're perfect, and you're beautiful, and you're smart. And, and that's just kind of what's in my head, what I'm supposed to say and what I'm supposed to do as a parent. Instinctually. But mm-hmm. that can then show my kid what they're supposed to be and supposed to do. And I don't want to do that. <laughs> so uh, another thing Jody said that I love, um, and I, I have this quote, from, it could be from her book, I can't remember if it was in our interview or not, but everything good, everything real and true comes from deep inside beneath the surface. I think she read this at the beginning. The culture I was now interested in cultivating with my kids was one of depth of purpose, of training the mind to listen to what it really has to say. And so when we're talking about labels, when we're talking about praise and judgments and expectations, what we want to be doing with our support and our feedback is helping train their mind to listen to what it has to say, not to what we have to say. Mm -hmm. That's the support we're trying to give as parents, as hard as that is, which it really is. Yeah, I think that our support is basically finding ways to lovingly, sensitively bear witness Mm -hmm. to reflect and not project and just stay out of their way. Yeah. But culturally, I think it's so normal for us to feel like we need to be building our kids into something, adding them little Mm -hmm. by little by little, building these this infrastructure. And I love that this idea that Jody has is more kind of like a revelation, a process of revealing and unmasking our kids. And, you know, as you said, Kelty, getting out of their way so that that inner voice, that spirit at their core can be nurtured um, and grow stronger and not weaker as they get older. Yeah, that's connected to something we talk about often, too, about trying to find ways that we can look for and honor our, our children's true self mm-hmm. with the trust and courage that, that that is their best self, that with that support and trust, <clears throat> it will continue to grow how it's intended into their best. Yes, but that true self looks like saying, I hate you. It looks like saying, no, I don't want to do that. Mm-hmm. And we talk about that with Jody, where we're saying, we, we want to raise activists, not clones. We want to raise, you know, advocates, not um, drones or whatever, Mm -hmm. you know, we don't want to break their spirit, but it's really tough with kids because their spirit looks really obnoxious sometimes and really gets in the way of our lives sometimes, you know, um, it's, it's a real challenge. And I think it's the work of parenting in finding ways to honor and support instead of, you know, attempt to control tear down and tear down in the most, you know, loving way, our kids' spirits. Yeah. But I think that that's because, those manifestations of that spirit, like you said, can be really scary and disarming mm-hmm. and disheartening, and we can take it very personally. Mm-hmm. So we don't always look at it as a kid screaming at us or demanding their rights or saying what they need or um, mm-hmm. resisting the man. We don't always look at those things as positive because they hurt and they sound bad and they, um, they're they a pain. Mm-hmm. So it's hard to look at as that is a manifestation of their spirit that we don't want to be crushing. You know, yeah. how, how can we do that and not lose power? Mm-hmm. You know, throw in the towel on order in our life and our family. If, if I'm encouraging their will and their bodies and their feelings, am I losing that power? No, I mean, I think that it really requires that we just shift our mindset and our, our, our lens on this entire thing. And I feel like Jody's family lab is a great example of that because it says, I actually value that you have a different opinion. Mm. I actually value 
that you are non-conformist in our household because that's what the world is. And if we can build a healthy family of non-conformists, then you can go out into the world and exist in a world of hopefully healthy non-conformists. That's how people get along, right? And that's how people get smarter. Yeah. By they grow by engaging with the other, whatever mm-hmm. the other is. That being is how they challenging do it. and being challenged. Right. Why is that bad? But it's it reminds me of our conversation with Alila Diane, mm-hmm. who where we talked about how this idea of getting along, like what does that actually mean to us? Is mm-hmm. getting along mean everyone is agreeing and liking each other or everyone does what I say or everyone does what I say that's getting along and when we think about getting along within a family or in the world it's about coexisting peacefully with those differences of opinion with Mm -hmm. those different points of view um and different origins and different Mm -hmm. spirits that's that's true getting along Mm -hmm. you know but yeah the family lab was so cool in her book she wrote It's about breaking things apart and moving things around in order to see the people we care about more vividly. Together, as a family, we were learning to unpack big concepts, laying truths on the table, and exploring them with honesty, dignity, and respect. We were developing the art of debating, discussing, and disagreeing without getting rattled. The goal was simply to love each other more. I love that she also said, you can be right, or you can be with the ones you love. Mm-hmm. I'd, I'd rather be a house of many minds, united by our differences and strengthened by our but love. It makes you wonder why families break, why children grow up and they don't go home. They don't talk to their parents. It, it makes me feel like when we raise families of my way or the highway, you must be like me, you must do like me. What choice does that give our children? And obviously that's not the way the world works that's not how humanity works so our kids are going to grow up differently they're going to eventually start building that spirit and seeing and feeling that inner self and honoring that and then how do they go back into a home that doesn't accept what that is that Mm -hmm. never did and so jody is just so inspiring in this way to say let's lab it out this is a wonderful thing this difference of opinion Mm -hmm. you know this this different idea thing i love that you know, seeing our kids as as activists and disruptors for their own cause, and you know, I feel like our toddlers and our and our younger kids they are their first own cause because their <laughs> little brains can't really um, see beyond them. see beyond themselves mm-hmm. in that time, and so it seems really self centered and shitty. But we have to think of it as this is their first crack at activism. And we've got to honor that. We can't always... we got to fan that well, flame, we got to respect it. We can't always honor it, <laughs> but we've got to respect it. we got to look at it positively and inspired um, because we don't want to shut that down. We don't want to quell that flame that's burning inside them. We want to keep it going, fan that flame, Yeah. you know, as hard as it is. Yeah. <sighs> this has been fun. Do you feel like there's mm-hmm. anything else we want to touch on a little bit? I don't know. I think that... As I was reading Jody's book, which I really recommend that everybody read it. It is just, it was such a delight. I don't read memoirs often. I mostly just read child development books. So this was a real treat to get mm-hmm. to read this. But it just, I kept thinking about this idea that this is every family. What Jody was going through, this is, this is this amazing opportunity that her son Penelope gave her to grow and to see the world differently, to see gender differently, identity, to see herself, her family, the world. Um, it was such a gift, but we all have those opportunities in our lives where they just don't maybe come into our 
into our homes as strongly or as suddenly as obviously you know? yeah yeah what are we what are we missing mm-hmm. in our own families what what aren't we seeing in our children how are we not letting them be them mm-hmm. in what ways can we be right. letting them be themselves well, and where yeah because our kids are there's a spectrum you know her son penelope said no i'm a boy but our kids every day are saying no i'm me let me be me our kids are saying the same thing as Penelope deep down. It's a, it's a a desire to to be themselves and to express that which they have every fucking right to. And it's such a reminder yeah. too to continue leaning toward a very gender fluid mm-hmm. home mm-hmm. in every way we can. And and how does that look for us in the ways that we're trying to do that? You know, the books we read, mm-hmm. trying to just kind of like bust those stereotypes. And when one of our kids points out someone walking down the street and says that boy, and I said, oh, is it a boy? I don't know if it's a boy or a girl. We don't really know until we ask them. Yeah. You know, and they're starting to say that now. Yeah. They say, I identify as a whatever. Yeah. And just the, the toys we expose them to yeah. and the conversations and the way we speak about other people. Yeah. I don't know. I feel like it's all part of the labels thing too. It's just adding a little nuance, adding some context, adding some curiosity and open-mindedness. I don't know, yeah. yeah. Just saying, I don't know. We don't always have to be certain. And that's the idea about, you know, avoiding labels when we can, um, putting labels on other people anyway, is that says that we're always certain, we always know. And that shuts down such possibility to explore and to learn and to grow um, and to understand the people around us. Yeah. And to let them tell us instead mm-hmm. of us just doing it yeah. <clears throat> for ourselves. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. You want to talk about the blind spots thing? I she sort of said it at the beginning. We could wrap up with that. Yeah. She basically described the her hard things as blind spots. Mm-hmm. And this is so interesting to us because we're always talking about how the hard stuff is the good stuff. And we just talk about how they're an opportunity, but she referred to them as a blind spot, mm-hmm. which just after we hung up with her, we were like, oh my God. Yeah. They're awkward. They're scary. Yeah. But if we move toward those blind spots, we can grow. And I think she said something about how we don't really have reference points or a best practice yet because they're blind. But And that's know, why they're scary. Right. And that's why they're scary. But if we shut off, if we shut the door, you know... Um, we're, we're closing it off to right. that new territory. Yeah. And yeah. meanwhile, we could be doing the opposite, unveiling that blind spot, finding that new territory, exploring that experience or part of ourselves or whatever it is. And she seemed to kind of pose it in a fun, exciting way. Let me find some blind spots. Let me turn toward this one instead of being like, oh my God, this yeah. blind spot. Yeah. But it yeah. made us think about when she talked about closing the door on them, I would, mm. we, you and I sort of went into this whole metaphorical <laughs> exploration of what if we thought of each of ourselves as a building mm-hmm. or even a skyscraper and we're really just taking up the first floor or two as we grow older what if we think about all of those empty rooms going all the way up to the sky each one as an opportunity to build more to grow more but those rooms are you know they've been shut off they're cold they're dark maybe they're cobwebby they're unknown they're, they're creaky. They're, there's yeah. some echoes in we, there. We don't know what's in those rooms. And yeah. it's, those are our blind spots. Those are That's the hard stuff. And we don't want to go into that. We don't want to open that door and bring that on. Yeah, Do, but, you know? but it's about thinking about them not as a room of horrors, but as an empty, bright 
space full of possibility to mm-hmm. build, to, to go higher, to raise up, to get closer to the sky, mm-hmm. you know, to expand <clears throat> our space and our lives. And I mean, how many windows can we open up to let the light in, to bring in the fresh air, to show the sun, Yeah, you know? Yeah. Um, it's just a reminder like, wow, we could be in the basement or we could be opening all those doors, even if we're scared. Mm-hmm. and exploring and building well, and yeah and to take this metaphor a little farther let's i mean do it <laughs> who can we let in to live to visit how many hobby rooms can we explore within ourselves sleepover rooms. How, <laughs> how rich can our lives become yeah by leaning into these this unknown um so anyway bringing it back to the kids you know we want to give ourselves but also we want to give our kids the keys to their own skyscraper to mm. every floor, yeah. to every room, you know, to explore and to grow into. And, but we got to do that first for ourselves. That's how we show our kids, yeah. you know, I guess that's it. Yeah. You can visit jodypatterson.com to learn more about Jody, her amazing story and her book that's now for sale. And you can find her on Instagram at Jody Patterson, uh, where you can follow her inspiring activism and stay up to date on events and speaking engagements. She was just on the Today Show today, yeah. right? Yeah, pretty cool. As always, we would love to hear your thoughts on our conversation with Jody. So please DM, call, email, or contact us through our website, upbringing.co. Yeah. And lastly, our affirmation to you. You are doing an amazing job. We are so proud of you. We are right here with you, taking steps to better understand ourselves, our kids, and one another. So thanks for being here. We're all growing up together. Till next time.